Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Well, I get up here on the stage on Sunday mornings, and um, it's much different than this, but I had something that happened to me on Monday, and I, I text Pastor and I said, I just want to share a, a tidbit with the, with the class on Wednesday night. And um, so I made myself some notes. I didn't really want to leave anything out, but I just want you to listen to this and take heart in it, okay? The Lord spoke to me, but I want to share it because I think it's a word for all of us, okay? So, and I see Rita in the room. Um, Monday, we, um, I was called to serve um, on jury duty. I'll be 50 years old this coming Monday, and I've never served, and so I didn't know what to expect. And um, uh, after getting there, Rita was also called to serve as well. And as I arrived at the courthouse, I went through security, and um, and then once I got checked in and everything, to the right in the courtroom, I mean, to, at the courthouse, the elevators to the right, the stairs to the left. So. You all know that I've been dealing with a back hip problem, and it's in the process. My healing is coming, and I'm walking by faith. Amen. But I said, you know what? I think I'll take the elevator instead of taking the stairs. So I went over in front of the elevator, and I stood, and I mashed the button, button and I was waiting for the elevator to come back down. And as I got on the elevator, there was nobody behind me, but as I waited on it and it opened up, there was a crowd behind me. I don't do real good with feeling like I'm enclosed, shut up. I just, that's, it just makes me kind of nervous. So I walked in the elevator and I got the corner, in the back corner, and it filled up. And then as I went, the door closed, nobody said good morning, nobody said anything. And the door closed, and I'm standing there in the corner. And as I was going from the first floor to the second floor, it just took seconds, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'll open the door. And I said, thank you, Lord. And he said, when I, walk, when I open the door, walk through it. Amen? Walk through it. And as I exit the elevator, I just stood over to the side, and I got myself together because I almost could come to tears that when the Lord said, when I open a door for you, you walk through it. You walk through it with confidence. And it doesn't mean a door that may be a new position at work, for work, or anything like that. But I took it as if he said to me, I'm going to open a door for increase. Increase. Increase in your faith. And when I open this door, you be obedient to my word. And so I just, I could almost stand there and cry. And I got myself together, and I said, let me go check in. And there was a lady standing there, and she asked for my name, and she said, go sit right there. So I went to sit down, and the whole time that I sat there, and they were talking about things, asking questions, you know, who's did this and who's did that, all I could think was, Lord, you open the door and let me step into it. Let me step more in your presence. And let me lean into your arms. 
And don't get things caught up in the world. Don't get caught up in politics. Don't get caught up on television and what's going on in the media. But Lord, let me find more of you, less of me. And so I, I sat there, and then we had a break. And um, so Rita, we, I went outside. We had to leave our phones in the car. And I went outside just to make a phone call and check emails real quick. And Rita was standing on the sidewalk. And I said, hey. I said, hey, Rita, are you in there too? And she said, yes. So long story short, when we began to go back in and we, we got up to the courtroom, she and I were talking, and I told her what the Lord spoke to me. And it has just been inside my heart to share this. Don't hold back. And so um, are you holding out on walking through the door that God has called you to walk in? Ask that to yourself. And so um, we have a purpose. We have an assignment. We are living in the last days, Bible fulfillment every day so I want us to be about the father's business and get stirred up and um, John 10 9 says I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture and Lord help us help us to find your pasture the pasture that you want us to to eat from to drink from and we are his sheep tonight. Amen? And um, so, and, um, and, and I just made myself some notes. And I said, have faith when you walk through the door that greater is coming. Greater is coming into our lives, our family. We must seek him for our lost children, our lost family members, for our community. And this church, we've been so blessed I look out across the, the congregation on Sunday mornings, and I'm just so overwhelmed sometimes. New faces that come in, and it's been said that we're like a hospital at this house. And, you know, just to see the faces that come in and out, that they're searching for that salvation, for that closeness, that hunger. They have a hunger. And I want us to be more like Jesus and let our light shine here at this hospital at this place of worship. And um, anyway, I, um, I, when, you, when I, we walk through that door, I want you to put on the armor, the armor of God, that we can stand. Because you know, when we, when we say, Lord, I'm going to get more of you, when I'm going to enter into your presence more, I'm going to seek your face more. That's when the devil does, he rises up and he tries to take authority over us. But we've got to put on the armor and we've got to stand against him tonight. Amen? We have got to stand and stand firm in our salvation and what we believe in. And that God Almighty is our healer. He's our deliverer. He's in charge. Amen? No matter what we face. And I, I started thinking about this hip and back pain. I'm in eight months of this. And um, one doctor wanted to do back surgery on me, and then it came into my life that, you know, I flew to Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, and I saw a doctor there, and I had no idea what he was going to do. 
I had no idea, but I was going by faith. And I said, Lord, the way you worked this out, you have placed this man in my life. And as he worked on me, he said, I bless you in the name of Jesus. And so that just done something to me. And I said, Lord, I'm going to walk through this with faith. And today I saw another person, a chiropractor, and he said, don't go have surgery. Keep your faith in Jesus. And so, you know, sometimes when we go through these obstacles, it's to build our faith. And I tell you what, I have prayed more. I have been on my knees. I have sought him more during this back pain. But it's to bring me closer to him. So you're not going through these trials alone. Amen. It's him and him alone. And so we just have to surrender to him. And... And um, a few weeks ago, stir up the gift. I was driving and I shared it here at church. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Let it stir inside of you. And I want to just say, declare that your ladder will be greater than your past. Amen? And, um, And you will be blessed more than you can ask. Amen? And I just want to sing that and then I'll be done. But I just asked Pastor if I could just share that because when the door opens, don't just stand there. He is saying, move forward. Move forward in me. Let him have his way in your life. Amen. Your ladder will be greater than your past. You will be blessed more than you could ask. Despite all that has been done, the best is yet to come. And your ladder will be greater. Your ladder will be greater. Your ladder will be greater than the rest. All things are possible, possible, possible. All things are possible, and your ladder will be greater. Your ladder will be greater. Your ladder will be greater than the rest. Amen. Trust in him. I got to follow that. Amen. Thank you, Sister Sandy, for sharing that with us. It was a great way to to open the service up. You know, I thought about while she was talking the the power of declaring, the power of a declaration, and uh, so just thank you so much for being obedient and sharing that with us tonight. Amen. Uh, I want you to uh, take your Bibles tonight and turn uh, 
to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Good to have everybody tonight. Glad that you guys are here, and uh, just welcome you to the house of God. And uh, so, I want to. I told you Sunday that I was planning tonight to um, just share a little bit about um, what's going on in our in our world, and and I am far from being a prophecy uh, preacher. Uh, I do like to study. I think it's important for the body of Christ and and for the believer. Uh, to have a little bit of knowledge about prophecy and about what's going on, what's what's coming in our world, and so <clears throat> so I I try to uh, study in the area of prophecy every every chance I I get. But I want to 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 just real briefly tonight. I want to talk about. You know, all of us are, are well aware of what's going on in the world. We're well aware of, of the war that's taking place in the nation of Israel. And we understand that. We see that. Uh, uh, and uh, right now, uh, it's, it's kind of at a stalemate. Um, but that's not going to last much longer. And so... Uh, the thing about the nation of Israel that it's important to understand is that the bottom line, it doesn't matter what's said, but the bottom line to it all is uh, you can go back to the book of Genesis and uh, the story of Abraham, Sarah, when Abram went into his servant uh, Hagar or Sarah's servant Hagar and uh, she conceived and bore a son. His name was Ishmael. Uh, that's where all of this that we're dealing with now started. It started with Ish the Ishmaelites or Ishmael. And Ishmael was considered as the son of the flesh. Uh, but you know the story. Isaac came along, which was the son of promise. And so... Uh, God has made it very clear in the Bible that we read that Isaac uh, is the inheritor of all the promises and the blessings of God. So, uh, so it's just progressed uh, further and further from that. And the Ishmaelites, uh, the descendants of uh, the Muslims, uh, Islam, uh, Syria, Iran, uh, Libya, Lebanon, Turkey, all of those countries are the descendants of Ishmael. And so we, we see that and, and we see the impact that that's having. Uh, God said uh, that he would bless Ishmael, uh, that he would become a great nation, but God never said that he would inherit the covenants of, of God. The, the covenants and the promises of God belong to Isaac. So uh, if you've got, if you've got uh, in 2 Thessalonians, uh, 
I'm not going to, I'm going I'm to try to go as fast as I can. Uh, but in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse uh, 1, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us uh, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. Uh, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And so I'm, I'm going to stop right there. Now I want you to turn over uh, in the Old Testament, turn over to the book of Daniel. Daniel uh, chapter 9. So, so while you're getting there, uh, I started a while ago, but what I want to do tonight is just try to give you kind of a, a bird's eye view of where does, where does the church fit in to everything that's going on in our world? How, how do we as the body of Christ, how do we fit in to everything that's going on in our world? So hopefully we'll be able to, to kind of get an understanding of that. Uh, one thing about Israel is, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but the nation of Israel is the most important nation on the face of the earth. Uh, that little spot that, that's no bigger than New Jersey, uh, I don't know the square mileage of it, but it's a very, very little place uh, that it's just a small spot of ground, but it is the most important nation on the face of the earth. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 5 and verse 5, and you don't have to turn there, but it says this, it says, Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the center of the nations with countries all around her. So, Israel is the most important nation on the face of the earth. Jerusalem is the most important city on the face of the earth. And God said that in uh, Ezekiel chapter 5 and also in Ezekiel chapter 38. God talks about that he has set Jerusalem uh, in the center of the nations. And in Ezekiel 38, he talks about uh, her being the center of the earth, or one translation says the navel of the earth. And so my thing is if, if somebody were to come to me and say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Bible, I don't believe that the Bible is true, then this is one place that you can take them, what we're going to talk about tonight. Because... You can look at the nation of Israel and you can look at the Jewish people and, you, and compare it to God's word and you'll, you'll recognize real quick that God, uh, God is, is God. 
So anyway, so uh, as we go on down to Daniel chapter chapter 9, and I'm going to turn there so I can... But in Daniel chapter 9, God reveals to Daniel, the prophet, uh, Daniel had been praying, he had been seeking God on some things that, that God had been showing him. And in Daniel chapter 9, starting with verse 20, God uh, begins to reveal to Daniel uh, the answer uh, to uh, his prayers. And in uh, verse 20, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Notice something right there, that right off the bat, when, when the angel begins to speak to Gabriel about the 70 weeks, he tells them who the 70 weeks is pertaining to. And notice that, it's very important, we'll talk about that more. But he said 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon uh, the holy city. So who is who is Daniel's people? The Jews. And who is what is the holy city? Jerusalem. So we so the angel right off the bat says this is what the 70 weeks are pertaining to. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now therefore, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the, the war desolations are determined. Verse 27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured 
upon the desolate. All right, so God spoke to Daniel, the angel did, and said, Daniel, uh, 70 weeks are determined uh, for your people and for the holy city, which is Jerusalem. Uh, and I want you to notice that God, God gave him six reasons for this uh, 70 weeks. In verse 24, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write it down. There's six things there that are very important to understanding about this prophecy. The first one is to finish the transgression. The second one is to make an end of sins. The third one is to make reconciliation for iniquity. And then uh, the fourth one is to bring in everlasting righteousness. Five is to seal up the vision and prophecy. And six is to anoint the most holy. So, so let's, let's break this down, okay? All right. So the 70 weeks is, is considered as 70 weeks of years. So when the angel was speaking to Daniel uh, about the 70 weeks, uh, he was talking about 70 weeks of years. So if you do 70 times 7, what do you get? 490, okay? So 70 times 7 is 490, so there's a period of 490 years that this prophecy is going to cover. All right, so uh, look at verse 24. He said, 70 weeks are determined upon your people, and he goes down and he tells them what all it's for. And uh, then in verse 25, he says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. So verse 25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. That's, uh, that's in verse 25. Now, so he says 70 weeks are going to be, or 490 years are going to be the duration of this prophecy. And then in verse 25, he tells him where it's going to start. So he tells him, he said, Daniel, this is how you're going to know that this, these 70 weeks has started. And he talks about from the going forth of the commandment or the decree to restore and to build Jerusalem. If you go back to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, you remember the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to, to the king, uh, and he got word of uh, the plight of the city of Jerusalem, and Nehemiah began to pray, he began to fast, <clears throat> and uh, God began to open doors for him. He went before the king, the king asked him what was going on with him, and uh, to make a long story short, Nehemiah said, it's my people, it's my nation, uh, the nation of Jerusalem. God gave him favor, uh, which is a beautiful picture of divine favor. Uh, God gave Nehemiah favor uh, with the king, uh, with 
Darius and Artaxerxes and these kings, and they gave him everything that he needed to make the journey back to his homeland and begin uh, the rebuilding process of uh, the, the city of Jerusalem. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, I'm not going to go there, but in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, you'll see where uh, the king made a decree uh, to open the door for Nehemiah to return to the city of Jerusalem and begin the rebuilding process. That is what Daniel prophesied, that when that happened, when the decree was made to go back and rebuild and restore the city of Jerusalem, that that is when God's prophetic time clock for the nation of Israel started. All right, that's in Nehemiah. You can also read it. It's in the book of Ezra. And, uh, it, but it's when that decree was made is when uh, the 70 weeks began. According to uh, the studying that I've been doing, that decree was made on March 5th, 444 B.C. God's prophetic time clock for the nation of Israel started in the year 444 B.C. of March, March 5th. Now, I understand that, that a lot of commentaries that you read, they're going to be differing on the dates, all right? But I've just, I've had to settle on, on one that I felt good about. And so there are going to be a few differing. Some of them might differ two or three years or something like that. But I'm not going to split hair on that. So uh, that's thousands of years ago. So, uh, but according to uh, the studies that I've been studying, uh, when the king made this decree, it was in March uh, of 440. BC. So you need to remember that. So if 70 sets of seven years equals 490 years, when, when the angel spoke to Daniel uh, in verse 25, after he said uh, the commandment to go forth to restore and build Jerusalem, then he said unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks. So what, what he was saying there is this. From the time that the decree is issued to restore and rebuild Jerusalem unto, until the Messiah, the prince, is going to be seven, seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Now, believe me, I have sat and stared all day pretty much all day today because these numbers confuse me. It don't take a lot, but, but these numbers confuse me and, and, and you, you can overthink it and all that. So, so what is he saying? Uh, seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Basically, it's 69 weeks is what he's saying. So you add the seven weeks with the 62 weeks, and that's where you get... 69 weeks that the angel said from the going forth of the decree to the Messiah, the prince, is going to be 69 weeks. 
So 69 weeks would be 483 years, right? 69 times 7, 483 years, all right? So 69 weeks, God said, it's going to start with a decree to rebuild the city, and it's going to go until the Messiah. All right, so watch this. All right, so he said, uh, unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And so what he was saying there, he was prophesying that Jerusalem was going to be rebuilt even in troublous times. The Roman, uh, when, when the, the Roman uh, Empire took over the nation of Israel, uh, <clears throat> I think it was Titus or somebody, when they took over the nation of Israel, they rebuilt and restored uh, Jerusalem and restored the city. And so Daniel had already prophesied hundreds of years earlier that this was going to take place. And so uh, so while we're there, let's, let's, uh, let's, let me throw this in. If you, if you go over to Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, Everybody got Luke chapter 19? <clears throat> Luke chapter 19 is the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. And we talk about this every Resurrection Sunday, every Easter. We talk about the triumphal entry in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem by Jesus. So Jesus, uh, in verse 28 of Luke chapter 19, and when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass that when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, that he sent two of his disciples and he told him to go into the village and uh, find the donkey. And, and you know that story. And they went their way. They found a donkey. And, uh, and so when they, when they did that, let's go on down to uh, go to verse 33. As they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to, Jeru to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen. Now understand this. Jesus is coming in riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey, 
and he's riding in, and crowds have gathered, and uh, his disciples are there. And in verse 38, they say, they're saying, Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So, so they were hailing Jesus as king. And, and we, we've talked about this before, but, but the king that they were talking about was not the king that was riding on the colt. They were thinking about an earthly king. They didn't understand the mission that Jesus was on. And so he was riding in, and they began to uh, uh, praise him. They began to uh, shout, uh, you know, Hosanna in the highest and all that. So what I want to get to is that as Jesus came, was coming down the Mount of Olives, the Bible says, beginning in verse 41, he said this, that, that when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over the city. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. Why did he weep? Why did he look at this beautiful city of Jerusalem? And why would Jesus weep when he looked over the city of Jerusalem? He wept because he knew that they were rejecting him. He knew that his own people, the ones that he had been sent to redeem, was going to reject him. And he wept over the city of Jerusalem. And it goes on down that he said, If you had known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto your peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. Their eyes were totally uh, glazed over in understanding uh, that this was the Messiah. Even though it had been prophesied by Isaiah, prophesied by Daniel, prophesied by all these other prophets, they failed to recognize Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't come in the package that they thought he was supposed to. There's a message there. You have to be careful not to get your eyes off on what you think God is looking like and you miss what he's actually like. That's what happened to the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. But he went on down, verse 43, he said, For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about you and compass thee round about and keep thee in on every side. And they shall lay, their, uh, lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of your visitation. Now, go back to Daniel. Notice this. If you do the math, if you start from March 5th, 444 B.C., 483 years or 69 weeks. If you take 483 years times 300, 300, you say, Pastor, why are you using 360? Because the Jews didn't go by the same calendar that you and I do. The Jewish calendar was 30 days per month. 
all right? So it's 360 days in the Jewish year. So if you take 483 years uh, or 69 weeks times 360 days, you come up with 173,880 days. From the time that Daniel prophesied when the decree goes forth until the time that Jesus came into Jerusalem and was crucified, it's 173,880 days, which is 69 weeks. You missed that. Listen, this, this prophecy of Daniel and the 70 weeks is, is looked at as, as the backbone of all prophecy because it is so, it is so point on. You think about it. Daniel prophesied this in, in uh, around 444, somewhere in that area. Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem in A.D. 33. How in the world could Daniel hundreds of years earlier, prophesy that this, Daniel, Daniel had never laid eyes on Jesus. But Daniel prophesied of, Messiah, of a Messiah, the prince that was going to come, and that he was going to come, and, uh, and, and it said that, the Messiah in verse 26, that after three score and two weeks, the Messiah was going to be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come. So Daniel prophesied that Jesus was going to be cut off. The Messiah was going to be cut off. In other words, Daniel prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years earlier of the crucifixion of Christ and said that the Messiah is coming but he's going to cut off, be cut off. And he's going to be cut off in a manner that seemingly that, that people are going to think that he accomplished nothing. All right? And so after that, Daniel prophesied of the prince that was going to come and the city was going to be destroyed, the sanctuary. And then it goes on down uh, in verse 27. And he said, talking about this one that was to come after the Messiah was cut off, it said that uh, he was going to come and confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And so I want to I just real quickly, because I'm running out of time, but I want to real quickly give you this. Daniel prophesied, again, of 70 weeks. But what we just talked about was 69 weeks. Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem. He was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by the Jewish people. And, and so uh, 
as a result of that, he was crucified. And so what happened? When, when the Jews rejected Jesus, what, what happened? The face of God was turned toward the Gentiles. It was turned toward us. Those that Jesus came to redeem rejected him. And so God said, well, I'll go over here to the Gentiles. I'll, I'll open the gospel up and open uh, salvation up to the Gentiles. So, so what happened to that, to that final week of the 70 weeks? What happened to week 7 or week 70? When Jesus was rejected, there's what, what we call a prophetic pause in, this, in the prophecy of the 70 weeks. Because when Jesus was rejected, the clock stopped on 69 weeks. And I, we don't have time, maybe we can dig into this more, but I don't have time to do it tonight. But so the clock stopped at 69 weeks. All right. So from the, from the time that Jesus was crucified until now, we're living in the church age. We're living in the age where the gospel is being spread to the Gentile world, to you and I. We've been in that since Jesus was crucified on the cross and the church began. One thing I want you to understand is in these 69 weeks, the church was not even in existence. So the church is not included in that 69 weeks. Remember what we said, the 69 weeks was for Daniel's people and the holy city. So, so at the end of the 69 weeks, the church, the church age began. And so we're in that age now. We're in the time where the gospel is being spread throughout the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're in that period of time now. All right? So, to make a long story even shorter, uh, if we're in that period now that was not prophesied per se and we're in the church age there's prophecies all over scripture that tell us about this period of time that we're in and so so where are we at now where are we now where's the church now I believe that we're in the evening time of the church age with the nation of Israel being at war and all these things that are happening we're seeing just all of a sudden it seems like we're seeing anti-semitism just uh, just exploding all over the world we're seeing so much hatred and so much animosity toward the Jewish people it hadn't just started it's been there for hundreds of years. 
But listen, in 1948, in May of 1948, the nation of Israel became a nation. That was prophesied in Ezekiel. It was prophesied in Jeremiah. It was prophesied in Zephaniah that God was going to bring his people back. They had been dispersed all over the world. And but God spoke through Ezekiel. We talked a little bit about it Sunday. God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, 36, 37, and 38. And he said, I'm going to bring my people back. And, and God said to, to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath and say, oh, breath, bring my people back. And so the nation of Israel was born in, I think, May 4th of 1948. She became a nation. 11, I think it's 11 minutes after Israel became a nation, the United States of America was the first country to formally acknowledge that Israel was a nation. Okay? All right. So, uh, so as a result of that, you say, Pastor, why, why are you saying, why are you talking about that? Because the United States of America has always been a staunch ally for the nation of Israel. Uh, I think it was May 4th. 2018 that President Trump at that time uh, formally acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. If you do the math on that, 70 years from May 4th, 1948 until that that uh, that is, uh, Jerusalem was formally acknowledged as the capital of the nation of Israel was 70 years to the day. All right. So, so anyway, so where are we right now? I believe that we're in this, in this place of where we're seeing the early stages of the preparation uh, for uh, the beginning of the last seven weeks of Daniel's prophecy. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible said, and, and Daniel uh, said that uh, in verse 26, he talked about uh, people of the prince that was going to come, that they were going to destroy the city and the sanctuary, and, and uh, they were going to do all this. And in verse 27, says, and this prince will confirm the covenant with many for one week. So what that's talking about is uh, the Antichrist is going to rise up and, and confirm a covenant with the nation of Israel. Again, the nation of Israel is the center of everything that God's going to do. It's the center of the world, okay? So, and I'm skipping a lot, uh, but... The Antichrist is going to come and he's going to establish a covenant or a, a peace treaty with the nation of Israel. So I asked myself the question, if he's going to come and establish a peace treaty with the nation of Israel, then that lets me know that he's going to come in a period of time 
where there's going to be conflict. All right? So, so this is, this is me, and I, I'm not saying this is, this is the way it's going to be, but this is me. Because the place that we're in now with the war in the nation of Israel, I don't know if, you, if you've studied the nation of Israel a lot, but, but just a short period of time after Israel became a nation, she was attacked from all sides by other countries. The Arabs, uh, Syria, all these nations attacked this little tiny nation when she was still in her birthing stages. They did it with the intent to destroy her and wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. But you know what? It didn't happen. God fought the battle for the nation of Israel. What everybody thought was going to be the downfall before this nation even got started. Israel not only won, but she possessed land and was, was, was marching toward, I think it was Egypt, when they signed the peace treaty. So, and there's been several wars that have been fought over this tiny nation since 1948. But in every one of them, the nation of Israel, this small speck on the map, has not only overcame, but they have been victorious in many ways. And if you want to study some, some interesting stuff, go back and read some of the, the history of some of the wars that was fought and how God just supernaturally blessed this nation of Israel. But, so, and again, it seems like Israel is in dire straits now because they have potential uh, to have not only a war with Hamas in the south, in Gaza, but they're being uh, bombed in the north from uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon. And not only that, but you've got uh, Syria, and then you've got Iran and uh, Turkey, and you've got all these countries. Iran is funding all of these countries and their proxies and all of that, and they are threatening to attack the nation of Israel. I don't know what's going to happen. My prayer is that they would get a ceasefire somewhere in there. But I can tell you this pretty much assured that Israel's not going to stop until they wipe Hamas out. All right? So, so what we're seeing is all this uh, anti-Semitism that is just boiling up in our nation and all over the world. And so, so it's quite possible that we're going to see another major war in the Middle East. Could it be possible that because of this war, that because of all these countries are attacking the nation of Israel, that the nation of Israel goes on the offensive and God begins to fight the battle for them. They begin not only to be victorious, but they begin to move towards some of these other countries. 
with a destructive force. And all of a sudden, out of the midst of all of that, somebody stands up and says, if we don't do something, Israel is going to wipe these countries out. I don't know that, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we're in a position to where I believe that that could very well happen because the Antichrist is going to stand up. And the Bible says in the book of Daniel that he's going to establish a treaty with Israel. <clears throat> so Daniel prophesied that, all right? Daniel prophesied that, that in verse 27, he will confirm the covenant with many for one week. That one week is the final week of Daniel's 70-week prophecy. All right? That's the, that's the final week. We understand it, and, and I, we don't have time to go there, but we understand that in the book of Revelation that it is the tribulation period, which will be a period of seven years. But what Daniel said was that he will uh, establish this covenant uh, for one week, but in the middle of that week, he will break that covenant. So in the middle of this seven-year period, three and a half years, Daniel said the, this, this man of sin, this Antichrist, is going to break the treaty. What he's going to do is that in the, in the middle of this period of seven years, he's going to stand up and he's going to stop the sacrifices that are taking place in the temple in Jerusalem. He's going to shut those sacrifices down and he's going to set his image up in the temple. And when that happens, all that other stuff's going to break loose. But he's going to break that covenant. And, and then he and all these other nations are going to turn again on the nation of Israel with the intent for her destruction. And they're going to try to destroy the nation of Israel. Bottom line is they don't like the Jewish people. It is a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual thing that you're seeing on, on TV. It's all rooted in a spiritual uh, battle that's going on. All this stuff that Hamas did, there's no way that a normal human being could do that. It's got to be demonic. So it is a battle between the demonic and God. It is a battle between good and evil. We're in a battle tonight between good and evil. And so, uh, and I'm, I'm going to say this and, and I'm going to close. So when... When you see everything in turmoil and all of a sudden out of the midst of all that turmoil, somebody stands up that's got all the answers, that's very charismatic person, that knows exactly how to say it, when to say it, and what to say. When you see Israel sign a peace treaty, supposedly bringing peace to the Middle East, that will be the start of the seven-year tribulation period. 
the signing of that peace treaty will be the start of that seven years of tribulation. And you say, man, that, that don't sound too good, Pastor. You're trying to depress me. You did it. Well, think about this. Think about this. I told you earlier <clears throat> that, that in this 70 weeks of prophecy, the church is not mentioned. All right? The 70 weeks of prophecy pertained to the nation of Israel and the Jews and Jerusalem. So the church is not mentioned in that. So a lot of smart people say, well, if the church was not mentioned in that, then, then where is the church going to be? So that's the reason that we say that we believe that God is going to rapture, the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation begins. All right? So, so what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. If, if the signing of a peace treaty with the nation of Israel is going to take place next week, next Monday, then according to what we understand in Scripture, somewhere between now and next Monday, we're out of here. All right? So, so what, what glory and what a joyous thing that is. All right? Because you got to understand that, that the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, and, and you can see this in the book of Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 36, God, God made this statement to, to Ezekiel the prophet. He said, I'm going to restore my people. I'm going to bring them back, and I'm going to restore that nation. And he said this. He said, but I'm not doing it for them. You don't hear much about this, but God said, I'm not doing it for the people. He said, I'm doing it for my holy name. Because what happened when Israel rejected God, and they were dispersed throughout the world. The world looked at them and said, where is your God now? So that's the reason that in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, God says several times, I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this for my holy name. Because they profaned my name. All right? So, so we believe and we... And, and by faith, my goodness, come Lord Jesus. Because I don't want to be here when the Antichrist rises up. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here when, when all that stuff begins to happen. And I, and I tell you guys that we're, we're on the verge. There's so many things that's taking place in our world. Uh, the World Health Organization uh, and all of these uh, world organizations are converging together for one purpose. The World Economic Forum. Uh, if you, if you want to study some interesting stuff, look at the World Economic Forum, and you'll see some stuff there that will, that will scare you and that will blow you away. 
we're, we're converging toward this. And I'm telling you tonight, guys, that if, if you don't know Jesus, this would be a good time to get to know him because things are, are happening on a fast pace, and we've never been where we are right now. Uh, and so, uh, but I always tell you this. I believe in a pre-wrath, pre-trib rapture. I believe that God's going to take his people out before the tribulation. I believe that. I pray that, and I trust that that's going to happen. But here's the thing, guys, and this is sobering, but I want you to hear this. Here's the thing. Jesus said, nobody knows the day nor hour that I'm coming back. Nobody knows. I believe with all my heart that there's going to be the sound of a trumpet, and Jesus is going to appear in the clouds. And when he appears in the clouds, we're going to come up to meet him. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we which are remain will be caught up together with them. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I believe that with all my heart. But listen, we're not assured on exactly when that's going to happen. Nobody knows. We can do our speculations and all that and say this is going to take place, and then this is going to happen, and all that. But the reality is that we don't know. But let me tell you this, and I'm going to close. Whether Jesus comes tonight, or whether he comes next week, or 20 years later, you're going to have to have the same power in you. If he comes tonight, or 20 years from now, you're going to have to have the same power to get you off the ground, all right? You're going to have to have relationship with him. I don't know when he's coming, but I know when he comes. He's going to be coming and looking for one thing. The other day, or a few weeks ago, I was hearing so much stuff. I mean, just so many things coming uh, at me, so many people talking and all that, and 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 I, it was just just everywhere you everywhere you looked, and and I was I was frustrated, and I was just all kind of junk, and I was walking from my office in my shed up to the house, and as I was walking up the hill, the Holy Spirit just bam, just spoke a word into my, into my spirit. And God spoke to me, and he said, Son, I'm going to be looking for one thing when I come. You have all the ideas and all the opinions that people want, and they can tell you this is going to be and that's going to be. He said, but when I see the blood, when I see the blood, and he reminded me of the story in Exodus 12 with the children, with the, with the nation of Israel, with the people uh, in Egypt. He said one thing to them. He said one thing is going to keep you from the judgment falling on you. One thing is going to keep the death angel away from your door. 
It's not how much money you got in the bank. It's not uh, your social status. It's not your skin color. It's not any of that. He's, there's one thing that's going to keep uh, death from entering in my door, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ applied over the doorpost and the lentils of my home. And guys, that's it. That's it. So, so listen, it's not a time to hold your head down and be depressed. It's not a time to be worried with fear. How many of you know that if you belong to Jesus, you've already died your last time? Amen? I've already died one time, and I've been born again, so I'm not worried about the rest of it. I'm going to live forever. All right? So, so what do we do? What does the church do? I believe that the church needs to be fired up, like Sister Sandy was talking about. God's going to open doors. We need to walk through those doors. God's going to open avenues for us to go in. We need to walk through those avenues because, man, this is the hour. This is the finest hour. Think about it. Think about it. Paul, Timothy, Peter, James, John, all those men in the Bible talked about the day that Jesus was coming back. They talked about this time, uh, the last days. You and I get to live in those days. My dad always told me, he, he always said this, especially when he was in one of those Holy Ghost services. I can hear him now. He would be standing there and that hand would be shaking like that. And, and daddy would say, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to go up there where the glory that I'm feeling right now is coming from. And listen, we're going to get to do that, guys. Jesus is coming soon. So, so anyway, uh, maybe, you under, maybe I hadn't confused you too much on, on Daniel's 70 weeks. You can, you can read it uh, and, and study it for yourself. And if you have any questions, um, email Brother Jesse or Brother Tommy or somebody like that. And, uh, but anyway, so... So if you will, uh, I tell you what, let's, oh man, it's 8.16. Go ahead and stand with us, and uh, that's why everybody was looking through the windows and the door, I guess. You know, last, this, this past Sunday, we talked on the subject of catch your breath. We talked about the breath, the Spirit of God, God breathing the breath of life. And I believe if there's ever been a time that we need to lay aside all of our ideas and all of our opinions about what God is and what God's not that we need to come back to a place of Lord I need your Holy Spirit working in my life because friend Holy Spirit was given to the church to guide her to show her to teach her 
in these last days. We need an encounter with Holy Spirit. Amen? So tonight, I know there are probably many needs um, tonight. Um, so if you've got a special need, if you will, just lift up your hands, and we're going to pray tonight. And I want to encourage you, if, 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 per, if perchance you're here tonight, and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with Christ. I'm not sure that if, if tonight, if Jesus was to come, I'm not really sure if I would make it to heaven. If that's you tonight, I want to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you after the service, we'll just come up and, and I'll talk and we'll talk because, listen, don't leave here tonight without knowing Jesus is the Lord of your life. If you got family, there's never been a greater time. Be plain. Be bold with your family. Let them know. Listen, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. So let's pray. Those of you that lifted your hands with, with requests or needs, uh, we're going to pray that God would move uh, in your life. Father, we come tonight. God, you are holy. You are righteous. You are mighty. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the Everlasting Father. So, Lord, tonight we come, and, Lord, we thank you that, Father, that we're not going to be caught off guard by the last days. God, that we're not going to be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. But, Father, tonight, thank you that your word, Father, reveals and shows us what's to come. Holy Spirit, thank you tonight for giving us insight, for giving us understanding and wisdom of your word. And Father, tonight, Lord, I just pray, God, over every individual in this room tonight. Father, God, that you would move. God, the needs that are here tonight, we pray, God, that you would move on their behalf. God, those that are sick, Lord, that you would touch them tonight and bring healing. God, those that have family members that are lost, and do not know you, Father, God, Lord, bring them in. Holy Spirit, move in their lives, move in their hearts, and bring them in, Father. God, tonight, Lord, I pray that, Father, that we would rise up and become laborers in the field because we know that the harvest is ready and we know that the laborers are few. So help us tonight to be about our Father's business. And, Lord, I just thank you tonight. I thank you for the time that we're in. I thank you that we can call ourselves the redeemed of the Lord. Father, tonight, let the body of Christ rise up. Let us rise up in our, in our time, in our world, and let the light of the gospel shine and penetrate the darkness. And, Lord, we thank you, and we give you honor and praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And like I said, if you're here tonight and you're not sure about your relationship with the Lord, I'd be glad to talk with you. Otherwise, we love you. So glad that you came tonight and look forward to seeing you Sunday morning at 1030.